Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All of us are on a complicated journey of faith, pursuing truth and deeper knowledge of God. But how do we know we're doing it right? Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing and it can be a painful and difficult journey. And far too often we are not given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson, and one of my best friends, Marty Frederick, and I have agreed to join each other in creating exactly that kind of space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. We want to look honestly at the issues and questions plaguing the Christian church today and to genuinely seek out what it means to live like Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. We believe that doubt is not the enemy of faith but perhaps one of its greatest allies. We think that the Christian life is more about asking the right questions than it is about finding the answers. And we believe we are being called to continually ask those questions, renewing our minds and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining us on that journey. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Rethinking Faith podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Josh Patterson. And Marty is not with me today. He's in Boston uh, doing Marty things. Uh, Actually, some pretty exciting things that uh, next time Marty's here, I'll let him share with you guys what Marty is doing out in Boston. Uh, But the good news is, is it's not just me today. You don't have to just listen to me um, because if that was the case, you should just turn it off now. Uh, But I do have a new friend with me today. And that is Trace Bell. Trace, how's it going, man? Really good. Thanks for having me on, Josh. I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with me today. And I have a, a quick question for you that's like maybe the most important question I'll ask today. Okay. And so it, it, the time difference, I'm a little bit later than you are um, in the day. And so I have four beverages sitting next to me, uh, four different beers. Okay. Do, you like, do you like beer at all? I'm, I'm not a beer not fan. Really? Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you give me those four options, I might be able to pick one. Maybe I prefer, but I'm not, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big beer fan. Okay, cool. I was going to, I was going to see if, if you could help me pick which one I should have, and maybe you can just base it off of like uh, artwork or something. So we have, this is elemental, uh, which is a okay. smash lager from the brewery that I work at. Okay. Um, 1623. This is uh, like a West coast IPA. So, you know, I felt that was appropriate since you're in California. Um, I have Yellow Bricks Road here, which is a hazy IPA. Okay. Uh, also by 1623. And finally- What does ha- a hazy IPA mean? What's- yeah, so the a hazy IPA um, is like, it can be turbid. So like in color, it's actually very hazy. Okay. So instead of having like a crisp, clean look to it, uh, like a normal beer would, um, it's actually hazy because or two reasons, either the yeast that is used in the beer stays suspended within the beer instead of okay. like dying off and sinking to the bottom. Uh, or they like put a whole bunch of oats into the brew and then it, the oats um, kind of give off like a hazy milkiness. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait, so that was, there was three options there. What's the yep. fourth one? The last one is grapefruit ship, which is a, a grapefruit I'll, IPA. By I love Black the artwork Fry. on that one. Yeah, Let's go with, uh, I was going to go with the, the, was it 1623 or uh, grapefruit? I'm going to do grapefruit because I like that artwork. Heck yeah. Lot. That I works for that. me, man. Well, thank yeah. you so much for uh, indulging my, important question <laughs> but maybe something that's a, a little bit actually more important is can you just for people who uh, might not be familiar with you can you share a little bit with our listeners like uh who you do or <laughs> who you do who you are and what you do um yeah just for for people who might not know yeah i'm i'm trace bell i'm uh the son of uh author uh speaker rob bell never heard uh, of him never a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people i talk to are like who's that guy 
Um, I graduated college less than a year ago. I went to UCLA. So I, I graduated from UCLA less than a year ago. Congratulations. I, thank you. And I started um, teaching with my dad. So I am going into this. I, I began uh, teaching with my dad doing, uh, we, had a, we have a course called Saturday School, which mm-hmm. we've been doing the first Saturday of every month that we're now actually moving to the Robcast. Um, and I've been through that. I've been hosting discussion groups, working with people, um, working with people one-on-one, um, working with people on their, on their spiritual journeys, um, and, and integrating the stuff that we talk about on the Robcast, with spiral dynamics. Um, we've been talking about, um, awareness and this question of who am I on the Robcast. And I've been helping people, um, integrate that into their lives and talk about their spiritual journeys with them. Um, so I, I've sort of become, I've sort of gone into this role as being a spiritual teacher and a spiritual guide, um, recently and, and started working with people. Um, so I'm 22 years old, live in California. Um, but, and I, and I've met so many amazing people through this already in this short period of time since I started, I've met so many amazing people through, through podcasts, through, through working with them. Um, so I've had, I've had such a blast so far. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well dude that's awesome and like congratulations on all of those things that's Thank super you. exciting and i know uh me personally i've been uh like really enjoying the kind of stuff the conversations uh, you've been having on robcast and all that kind of stuff has been great which is exactly why i wanted to to chat with you today um and it's cool it's just uh we were talking about this before you came on or before we started recording but it's it's you know really exciting um, to see younger people like my generation having these kind of really cool conversations um, that are just so meaningful and really have so much potential to better not only um, ourselves, but like those around us and like the rest of the mm-hmm. world. It's such a cool thing. So um, I'm excited for what you're doing. So thank you for uh, for what you do. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another thing that we like that uh, we like to ask people is uh, who's your favorite ice hockey team? Uh, if you're, I say, uh, Red Wings, uh, okay. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a big hockey fan, but I would have to go with, I, I'm, since I'm from Michigan, I, I, I roll with all the, uh, the Detroit sports teams. So Lions, Pistons, Lions, Pistons. Um, and yeah, we, I went to a, I went to a Ducks game when we lived in Orange County. Um, and I've never been to a Kings game. I just never really like Ducks or Kings never really grabbed me. So I'm not a huge hockey fan, but, um, I, I, Red Wings would be my team. Right on, man. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, what about you? You guys don't have a one in Baltimore. No, huh? not not in Baltimore. Our closest team is uh, DC, and it's okay. the Washington Capitals. Okay, yeah, so is that your team? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. nice. Ice hockey is my favorite sport, which is why we asked the question. And most of the time, people are like, "Don't don't ask me stupid questions." Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's fun. It brings about you know personality and and lets yeah. You know, the, the, I I love talking about sports. I always love to, I always love sports. So. Never right boring. Yeah, yeah, good deal. All right, well, one, one final thing before we jump in, um, and this is a bit more of a serious question, uh, but our show is called Rethinking Faith. And so what is perhaps the most important aspect of your faith that you feel you had to rethink? Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, I guess I would, uh, I, don't, I don't feel like the word um, faith has ever been super uh the word faith has never been super relevant in my life and never been a word I've really connected to to super strongly, to be honest with you. I I never, people are, people are surprised when I tell them this, but I never grew up um, religious and I never actually considered myself a Christian. So um, my dad was obviously teaching at a massive mega church and he was sort of rising up as a Christian um, teacher and author, but I never was really that I never um, was that pulled in by the religion or there, I never really gravitated towards the religion. I, I sort of tell people that I sort of just remained indifferent. Like I didn't, I never hated Christianity. It just didn't really do anything for me. Gotcha. Um, I kind of had, I had overall questions about um, reality and, and what is consciousness and who am I um, that were much more interesting to me. So as I got um, older and I really started to, to follow those questions on my own spiritual journey, um, I had my own sort of spiritual realizations and my own, what I call like doorway into this work and doorway into spirituality. Um, and then, and to me, and to me, it was never about um, having, it was about direct experience into spirit and direct experience into who I, who I was and um, all these spiritual truths. So it wasn't about, uh, to me, the word faith, the having some sort of faith that I had to rethink or having some sort of thing that I had to change over time. 
um, wasn't really something I had to do. I, I became interested in the Bible and Jesus's message at once I was older and after I sort of had these realizations and then went back and said, looked at the Bible and was like, Oh, these, these are the truths at the heart of the Bible. These are the truths at the heart of Jesus's message message. Um, uh, so it was more like a go, it was more like a, I never had a relationship with the Bible or Jesus growing up until I actually got older and then really saw what it was saying and then went back and then, and then other, all other religions became interesting to me too. So um, Buddhism, uh, all the Eastern spirituality, it was just became the Bible and, and Jesus just became one more piece and all of that. Um, so that's the best way I can answer. That's the best way I can answer your question. But yeah, man, no, I dig it. That's awesome. That's so cool too. And like, I mean, to an extent, I'm, I'm slightly jealous because uh, there's, I mean, I know, and so many people would relate to this and I know, you know, this, but just the, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of like baggage that can come with that kind of question, like rethinking your faith, mm-hmm. especially depending on like what kind of world you grew up in. And so it's, it's pretty neat to like, I kind of wish that the understanding and ideas that I bring to Jesus or, or the Bible or, or other things that I have now that I kind of got to start with that. But then also at the same time, I'm like, well, do I actually wish that? Because all this other stuff was just a part of of bringing me to where I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so it's like a, a both end. So yeah, those is cool. Yeah. I think we all had, our, we all had our unique journeys into, into this work and to understanding, you know, who we, who we are and our own spiritual journeys. And it's like, we each had a different, different ways. We like, my parents grew up in like a very structured, organized religion and then like sort of moved out of that and got into a deeper spirituality from that. Mm-hmm. I never really felt like I, my parents never, um, pushed any sort of anything religious on me and they never really like pushed any of that religious structure on me. So I never, I didn't, why was it coming out of that religious structure? It was actually like really developing a deeper sense of spirituality as since I, when I was older. Um, and then like, that was more my door. I didn't have that move that a lot of people have from that organized religion. So it's just, it's just interesting how we each have our, our own unique journeys and own unique ways that we, you know, get to this, but um, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, dude. So like one uh, side note thing, a guy that I've gotten into like recently is Anthony DeMello. Are you familiar love, with any of his work? Love him. Love him. Yeah. Um, uh, Awareness, one of my favorite books. And then uh, A Way to Love is the, I think it's, I think that's his other one. Those are the two mm-hmm. I've read from him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that I read awareness uh, recently. And then I saw you guys put out that episode, you know, the awareness of awareness. And it, it was just like such a nice compliment yeah. uh, to it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Good yeah. deal. His, his stuff is awesome. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned him because his stuff is, anyone listening, check out Anthony DeMello. He's a Jesuit priest who passed away, I think in the 80s maybe or? Around there, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But his, his work is just genius. Yeah, fantastic. He does a really nice job of like bringing a lot of the Eastern spirituality into like the Western world of yeah. know, spirituality and, and like marries them in a really beautiful way that's been super helpful yeah absolutely yeah dope all right man well let's uh let's jump into this idea that i actually wanted to talk to you about today um which i mean because we could keep going on this conversation forever and yeah it would be a lot of fun for us uh but there's this this um model i guess is a good word for it i call it uh, spiral dynamics that Mm -hmm. is something that's um i kind of caught wind of maybe geez, I guess about three years ago um, is when I first kind of bumped into it. Um, And I thought it was really interesting at that time. And then I just kind of couched it. And then I was excited. I I, uh, heard you do the the Me, We, Everybody uh, series that you guys released on the Robcast. And it really like reignited uh, my interest. And I was like, wow, this is so much cooler than I remember. And so it's, it's, you know, kind of entered into my life again at a, I think a really important time. And so that's what I wanted to, to talk to you about today, if that was cool with you. Um, and so just for, for starters, for people who have never even heard of spiral dynamics, they're like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, is there any kind of like precursor or any kind of information that you think would be helpful for people who are maybe bumping into this for the first time? Yeah. Yeah. So, so spiral dynamics is a model of human development and a model of consciousness development that was originated by, it was developed by a guy named uh, Don Beck. And uh, who, uh, Don, it was originated by Don Beck. And then there's been many thinkers that have 
um, contribute contribute it to it over time. So uh, Ken Wilber is a major thinker um, that's contributed to it. Um, so it's it's it was uh, made by psychologists that studied. They compiled a bunch of data and and observations and research about people, and they compiled this um, model and framework that that shows how human beings develop. Um, uh, they develop in uh, their growth develops in certain patterns. So they developed this model called spiral dynamics, which shows how human beings over time um, evolve, their, their consciousness evolves through these different stages and through these different patterns. And it's, it's fascinating. The reason it was so big and, and, and so fascinating is because they were able to see, um, they were able to map these very specific patterns that human beings uh, evolve through. And it was able to, people, you were able, they would create a model where they were able to actually sort of predict um, how people were going to evolve and how it gave them a better understanding of um, relationships, culture, um, how human beings uh, actually actually grow in their own personal lives and actually grow as a collective. So grow as a as a, um, as a as a country, as a culture, as a. Um, so it's been a it's it's been a model that's been around now for a little while and it's sort of taken new. Um, it's sort of changed a little bit throughout the years, um, but it's it's so it's so helpful for understanding. It helps so many people understand their own growth, um, the growth of people around them. The the spiritual implications of the model are are pretty profound. Um, but my dad has been teaching it for man over a decade, and he always wanted to know. He always was like, how how what's the format that I actually teach this? And like, the, do I do I make it a a video? Is it a movie? Um, is it a, is it a book? And then he was like, why don't I just do it on the podcast? So we just decided to just do a four part series in which we did our, we explained it in our language, in our way. Um, and, and the response has been amazing. We've loved it. Yeah, dude, it, it was, it's super well done. You guys did a fantastic job and I'm making a note to myself to, to link those episodes, um, in the show notes when this is dropped that way, listeners, you can go ahead and uh, go check that out because it's really super duper worth your time. I've listened through that series multiple times um, and I, I get new insights every time. So super well done. Thank you. Yeah. And um, so one thing that I thought was so nice about it is you kind of uh, started with this more uh, broad viewer perspective or uh, more general, and then it gets narrow. And so I thought that might be helpful for our conversation today. Um, and the way you guys started it out was with this idea of me, we, and everybody. And so can you kind of uh, share some of that framework with us? Again, pretend no one here knows what at all we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so, so the spiral dynamics, yeah, is usually taught and it has these colors or these, these stages that, that correspond with certain colors. So when people are talking about spiral dynamics, they'll be like, oh, you know, that's you know, that's stage orange doesn't really get along with stage red. So it's like, okay, those are just like colors. People don't really know what, what it's just, it's just sort of exists as colors. And if you're not familiar with the model, you're like, what the heck are they talking about? So my dad, my dad and I were like, what, what could be our, what, what language could we use that would be our own that would sort of uh, take this model that people haven't heard about. And just, we just use our own language. And that's one of the beautiful things about spiral dynamics is so many people have contributed to it. And so many people have done their own spin on it. They're like, we're able to just sort of take the model and then just give our own language and our own spin on it. And it's like, there's no like one, there's like the base sort of like baseline model, but like, there's no like one model that's like exactly right. It's like people can kind of take it and sort of give their own interpretation on it. So we did this, we, we use the words me, we, and everybody, which would basically was having these three separate um, sections, me, we, and everybody. It was a show that growth happens there's there's a level of um there's an awareness and like a level of almost like like a level of caring that a person has throughout their life that they evolve through so usually that starts with as as they grow up it's a very um in the beginning it's very as they're developing their ego as they're developing their personality it's a very uh egocentric perspective so it's a very their 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 level awareness and their what they care about is really usually pretty pretty um limited to just me. I just care about my own needs. I just care about, um, uh, care about myself. I just want to take care of myself. And, and, um, I don't really have a, like a larger, um, awareness or I don't really have a larger awareness of anything really outside myself. And I don't really extend myself out to really care about others. 
Um, so that's usually like, and, th- and that's, this isn't bad as we all go through this through our ego transformation. You think about like a, like a kid growing up, like a kid has to, like a, like a little kid is just usually just wants to, um, it's just concerned with his own needs. So a little kid is just like, um, as the little kid develops his personality, develops his ego, he just wants like, it's very natural to just sort of um, care about himself and just only really be thinking in terms of himself. Now, as growth, um, as uh, someone grows a little bit more, they grow into the stage that we call we. So it goes from me to we. Um, and we is then caring about, oh, I have, I have a family, I have a tribe, I have a, a sports team, I have a, that me, the, the level of awareness and that level of um, caring sort of extends a little bit to um, a larger, it, it encompasses a larger um, group and it, that extends out a little bit. So now it goes from me to we. So what you, so this would be like someone grows up and then now they're part of a religion in which the religion now exists as we now. So they have some, some, they're not just concerned with just themselves and they're just, they, they extended that me to a we. So now they're, they're aware of a larger, aware of a larger group and there's a larger group that they're now um, caring about and have extended their care out to. Um, and then the, so that was the, that's the second stage is me. And then the we stage is once a person progresses past that we stage, because oftentimes that we stage is I care about all these people, my people, my tribe, but at the exclusion of everyone else. So all my, the Christians I know, we're the right ones. We're the, the people that deserve to be saved. Everyone else is, is wrong. Everyone else is going to hell. That might be like the way a we look. So it's the person has, the person cares about more people, but they only care about their own, their, they only care about their own tribe or their own group. And then once they progress past that stage into the we stage, the we, I mean, sorry, the, um, the everybody stage, once they progress past the we stage, they get to the everybody stage, which is a greater, a care that extends to the whole world. So now um, you see this with, with this came, this stage of consciousness really came, became prominent like the 1960s with the, with the hippie movement where everybody's equal. We have to love everybody. Um, we are, the, the, the care moves from just a we to a more global centric um, view. So, so that me, we, everybody is like a very common pattern in a lot of people's lives of that. Um, I care about myself, then I care about my tribe. And now I care about my care extends to, to the whole world. And, and the, those are just the, we use those just three different um, labels for the, for the stages, but in Spiral Dynamics, there's actually um, six stages in that, um, six stages in that first sort of first tier that's mapped. Um, so this, we were to basically using those three words to map this overall development um, in Spiral Dynamics, but the me, we, everybody was like very sticky and we liked it a lot. Oh yeah. Sticky is a great word for it. It's it, like, cause it, I mean, it quite literally sticks with you. Like it's, it's super easy to remember. I mean, I found it to be like a super helpful framework for it. And I think I want to throw something at you that I just thought of. There's um, like one major shift that I've had in my own uh, spiritual journey and um, in my faith perspectives is when I moved from uh, what has been traditionally called a bounded set approach to theology um, to a centered set approach to theology. And I think um, what I want to get your opinion on is if this is kind of uh, within the realms of this, you know, kind of theological conversation, if it, if it maps nicely into the a movement from we into everybody. Um, Cause I mean, I just made this connection. So a bounded set is when it uh, seems very we to me. Um, it's when you have, here's, here's the, the boundaries, here's the circle, here's the gates you have to stay inside of this if you want to be a part of our group. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. that's a bounded set. Here's, you know, the doctrines you have to believe, the dogmas you have to follow, etc. And then the compared to a centered set, uh, which for me personally, in my context, I consider myself a Jesus follower. Um, Jesus would be the center of my set. So that's kind of the, the, foundation that is is built off of but then things kind of go out from there so it's not it's not really bounded it's just things are either pointing towards jesus or they're pointing away and things are either closer or they're further and so it's um it has a lot more uh freedom because you could have you know for example 
I guess something that would be prevalent right now is like with the LGBTQ thing, you can have an affirming Christian and a non-affirming Christian in relationship with each other. If both of them are holding to this, uh, this centered set approach, because they're not, they're not building it based off of this boundary, but rather here's the thing that's unifying for us, which in this case is Jesus. Um, but I guess if you were to you know apply it maybe more broadly, you could say, the unifying thing is that we're a human being or, mm-hmm. you know, that we, we all live on earth or something like that. Does that seem like it fits to you? Yeah. I, I, I love the, the, um, associating the, the boundary was it boundary. Um, what was the word you used boundary? Oh, a, um, a centered versus, uh, oh my goodness. Now I forget my own word. Was um, it boundary yeah, bounded, bounded, Bound, yeah, bounded, bounded, yeah, like a, yeah. Like a bound. That's, 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 that's perfect. Cause like a, the, the stage that it's called, um, Stage blue in spiral dynamics, which is the the order and the structure stage. And stage blue operates as a um, it's the stage where there's a tribe, there's a group, there's a collective, and there's a certain there's an order and like a code that the collective follows. So you're you're part of the group if you follow these rules. If you follow um, this, there's like there's certain dogma and there's certain um, these, these very defined rules and structures that you have to follow to be part of the group. So that's when we talk about that. We stage, oftentimes that we stage comes out as um, like, there's, we, you, we, we care. There's a, there's a more of a, a encompassing um, awareness because it's, it's more than just one person, but it's, you're only included in that. If you're following these very specific um, rules. If you're following, it's like, and, and it's only if you're following the specific rules, then you're one of the good people. You're going to be saved in the end. We're the right ones because because we're following these very. There's like a very like specific code and very bounded. Um, there's there's very clearly defined boundaries. Um, and this that's a that's the experience a lot of people have growing up in conservative religion. They grow up living in this. That that this is also why the model is so helpful to so many people because they're able to see like as they move out of the environment they grew, grew up in and like under, like, why aren't other people growing? Why aren't other people moving out? Why aren't people understanding, you know, where I'm going? Why aren't people understanding what I'm talking about? The model provides them like a framework where they can see, oh, there's, this is actually a very well-documented pattern of human development. Like it makes them feel not crazy and they can actually see where their own growth is going and where they are on this, this model. Um, and then I think the, um, the, the center uh, the center that you were talking about of making of just having Jesus as the center to me, Jesus was the, the brilliance of Jesus was Jesus's teachings were pointing to um, the, that, that we're all essentially the same. We all have the same essence in all of us. And Jesus was the ultimate unifier to me. So mm-hmm. building Jesus to me was someone that really um, understood who he was and understood his own nature in a way that, um, understood that our, the, the, the nature in all of us is actually, our true nature is actually shared by all of us. And Jesus was to me pointing to um, his teachings were so profound and he was such a brilliant teacher because he was really showing that we're all ultimately the same thing or he was showing the, the unified interconnectedness of everything and all of us. So making him the center um, is like, is, is perfect for everybody because if you're making him the center, then you're really you're, you're living his message and seeing that everyone else is there's, there isn't a, in the we stage, there's oftentimes a we, but then this, this creates an other. So there's we, and then there's an other in the, in the everybody stage, there's no other, it's all of us. It's everybody is included. So making Jesus, Jesus was the, is the epitome of, of that everybody stage of actually viewing everybody as we're all unified in this experience. We're all unified. So I love that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, right on, dude. Have you um, encountered a book called The Wisdom Jesus by any chance? Mm-hmm. No. Dude, th- so this, the way we were just talking um, reminded me of this, and this is actually something I started uh, reading recently. Uh, it's by Cynthia. I'm going to screw up her last name. And Cynthia, if you ever hear this, which is highly unlikely, <laughs> I apologize, uh, but Bour- Bourgeau, maybe? I don't know. How's your... Guessing. Yeah, but I think Borgia, that's a that's a pretty cool last name, but I have no idea how to say it. Bor, Borgia, Borgia, maybe? Borgia. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no idea. So I apologize to you, Cynthia, but she's an Episcopal priest, uh, teacher and re- uh, retreat and conference leader. Um, she has a PhD, but this book uh, basically talks about Jesus as a, as a wisdom teacher. Um, and a lot of how you were just speaking is very much in line with what she writes about. And so maybe 
uh, you might enjoy that one. It's yeah, great. thank you. I just I just wrote it down. Thank you for that recommendation. Oh yeah, dude, most most definitely. Um, so I think maybe one more thing too that could be helpful to kind of demonstrate like a real life example of this uh, we to everybody kind of thing, or maybe when these two things come in conflict. Um, and sorry for using this example, but uh, farewell, Rob Bell. Uh, seems to be what happens when a community of we or, or in the blue uh, start to interact or bump heads with, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but um, perhaps something that was very green um, or more everybody. Is that a, yeah. fair, a fair assessment? Uh, was the, the farewell Rob Bell, that was like a, was that a certain movement or that was a... So, yeah. So that was um, when Love Wins was first published. Yeah. Uh, John Piper, who's like a super conservative evangelical leader, uh, tweeted out farewell, Rob Bell. Um, did which, it trend on Twitter? Oh, big time. Yeah. So I, like, like the, was, I like the rhyme. I like the, I like <laughs> it works well. Yeah. And actually like, this is a complete aside, but one thing that happened to me in my life that it was a huge, I mean, like massive paradigm shift and it's going to sound ridiculous. Um, but we, when we interviewed Rob, when he was on the show, um, I made a joke to him at the end and I was like really hoping like, okay, I hope this doesn't fall flat because I'll look like a complete idiot. Um, But I was like, Rob, one favor. Uh, If I ever write or publish anything, I need you to do me a, you know, do something for me. Uh, Can you tweet out farewell, Josh Patterson? You know, because then book sales, whatever. But uh, he thought it was pretty funny. And he actually said, well, how about I just say it right now? Farewell, Josh Patterson. And that phrase stuck with me and like it was a huge paradigm shift in so much that I don't have to go you know time to go into great detail with but that was like an insanely massive important thing for me it sounds so simple uh, but farewell Josh Patterson was maybe some of the most healing words I've ever heard another person speak to me in my life I love it. That's, that, that's amazing. That's yeah. It's, it's oftentimes, sometimes it's the most simple things in the, like I've had, I've had awakening experiences that have been just been triggered by like a certain, like a, like a sentence. And like, if I try to explain to other people, it's like, huh? Like there's just certain things that just touch us like in a certain way that just, that just work, you know, it's, it's fascinating. Okay. So yeah. your, so your question, uh, that's a great question. Um, so yeah, I think my, my, one of the ways the, the spiral is so helpful is you can, you can even map my, my dad's progression and my dad's work. It helps you understand my dad's work and the reaction to my dad's work, um, mm-hmm. which was my dad grew up. Um, my dad was sort of teaching within this very structured um, we environment of uh, this, this more um, defined and rigid Christian environment, which was, um, are you a follower of Jesus? It, trying to really like pinpoint everyone and trying to pinpoint, you know, make sure we're, we're make sure we're defining who the believers are and who, who, who aren't the believers. So my dad was sort of, sort of teaching in this Christian world. And he was with Velvet Elvis and, um, sex God and, and Jesus wants to save Christians with his, with his books. He was sort of, um, progressing, progressing people within that world, progressing people within this, this Christian environment, um, and then love wins just rocked the boat a little too hard. Love wins just pushed people. Love wins would, would be like an example of moving from um, we to to everybody. And the problem with when people are still really in that we stage um, and really ha- are rooted in that there's a there's a certain way there's a certain code and there's a certain you can't break from this code. If you break from this code, then you're a heretic. If you break from this code, um, then you're um, then you're one of the, you're what you're, they other you, if you actually break from this code and, and love wins just was his, his first book that really pushed um, that really pushed, pushed it, pushed it so far that it's sort of the farewell Rob Bell was like him basically evolving past that um, sort of way of that way of, of being in that sort of like rigid structure. Um, so I, I, I remember, I mean, he was, he's, he was even aware of the spiral back then. I mean, he's been speech, teaching the spiral for over a decade Um, so, I mean, I remember like hearing him and my parents like talk about, I didn't know, I didn't really understand the colors when I was that young, but I remember hearing my parents like talk about the colors, uh, at that time, because it was something that really helped them understand, um, exactly like the reaction, like they were able to see the reaction. You, you could see the level of consciousness that a lot of these people were at that were really, um, like really, um, triggered by the stuff he was saying in Love Wins, um, which is, it's just so fascinating to me because when I, I, I think Love Wins is an awesome book, but when I, when I read Love Wins, I'm like, yeah, like 
and like it just is like what like and i don't i don't even see this this upset people you know what i mean like this like this was like a something that totally like people got like it started like a like a holy war across the country like what like it is you know um so it's yeah i'm just it's it, the whole thing is so fascinating yeah yeah it broke the uh the evangelical code of ethics like yeah. one of one of their uh their heroes their front you know front runners whatever language you want to use kind of broke broke character and and did something that hey we don't do that yeah and I, I mean, I think it's interesting too. I didn't think about the the books is progressing that way, because um, I think then too everything is spiritual. The most recent one that kind of it like even goes further, and I feel like that very much is stepping into the the whole like second tier uh, yeah. consciousness kind of thing. Like it's that kind of writing, um, which is really cool. Yeah, um, because it, it what's so cool about the second tier bit is it it you know the transcendent include language. It, it has all of those other stages and aspects in it. Mm-hmm. So like people on a variety, you know, cause kind of um, correct me if I'm, I'm saying this incorrectly. Um, but you talk about how all of these stages, none of them are like good, at, good or bad. They, they have healthy and unhealthy yeah. aspects to them. And we all kind of have a center of gravity in each of these stages, but all of them kind of exist within us and so yeah. getting into that second tier level is um starting to understand that more and, and actually integrate those things uh but what's beautiful about that is that then other people that find themselves you know maybe in a more like blue or or orange or green stage can still find themselves in the writings from second tier consciousness because all of it's there mm-hmm. so and it's like a really cool invitation because you can find yourself and then it also helps you know people continue to to grow spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was really well said. Yeah. So um, the, the spiral dynamics is obviously like we, like we talked about a model of conscious development, a model of how humans have developed. And the, the, the thing that's so beautiful about it is that all these stages are actually, these stages of development are actually present within us. And there's, there's no stage that there's no stage that's like bad or um, there's no stage that's bad or good. The bad or good label isn't really accurate. There's health and unhealth. Um, in each stage. So like, even like the we stage, like the, like the blue stage you were talking about, which is about um, order and having some sort of code and structure. Oftentimes that's looked at people who have moved out of that stage is like, Oh, that's, you know, that's bad. That's really confining, but there's certain elements of that stage in health that are really, really beneficial for our lives. Like having some sort of structure, having delayed gratification for the work we're doing, having some sort of larger purpose than just ourselves. Like there's some actually incorporating the healthy aspects of that stage into our lives is how you actually um, act as a fully integrated human being. So like you mentioned, second tier, Um, second tier is actually the new, it's the, it's the second tier is the stage that's aware that there's the, of the model, there's aware that there's previous stages. So Hmm. uh, uh, second tier, someone in second tier is actually someone that's integrated um, and is living the health of all the previous stages. So lots of times spiral dynamics is taught in a way in which it's like, people just want to like intellectualize about it and just sort of like, think about like, you know, am I, am I in yellow in the second, second tier or turquoise in the second tier? And so they just want to like talk about that without actually going back and looking at their own lives and seeing like, okay, how am I embodying the health of all these previous stages? How, is there any way that these stages are manifesting in an unhealthy way? It's like actually to be in second tier, it's actually living fully integrated um, and living, um, living the health of each stage. That's why I, on my, I'm doing the course, um, living the spiral, which is all about, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Uh, on my website, tracebell.com, T-R-A-C-E-B-E-L-L-L.com, which is a, a seven session course where we actually dedicate a session to each stage and how to incorporate the health of that stage, um, into your life. So we, I'm, I'm so, sort of, I'm just seeing the way that people talk about spiral dynamics um, which, which knowing the model and having an intellectual framework about it is really important, but I've just noticed that it, it just sort of solely exists as an intellectual framework for a lot of people. And they're not actually like looking at the, the ways that they can actually use the framework to live in a more healthy and sustainable way. Hmm. Um, so that, so my, my, this, um, this course I'm doing with a, with a intuitive healer that I partnered with, um, is like working with a healer and someone that's really, um, good at, 
actually figuring out how to take this model and bring it down to, to someone's actual life and how to actually integrate all this into their actual life. So that's why Spiral Dynamics is so amazing is it acts as this frame. It's like, it has so many different uses. It can act as this huge framework in which you can map and see stuff and see patterns. And it also acts as um, a way to actually um, look at your own life and look at the way that you're living and look at the way of your, the own stages of consciousness, which exists within you. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think so. Uh, maybe we can just, I mean, briefly, because uh, I mean, it's an impossible task, but um, we can run through those the seven stages real quick. But I, yeah. I just thought of an example of where I saw uh, kind of, you know, to, to help illustrate the point that these spaces kind of can exist, uh, or they do exist in all of us at, you know, any point in time. Um, I have an example of, of blue digressing into unhealthy red. Okay, and so uh, I play ice hockey. And last night we had our final game of the season. Uh, we lost four to three, which is a bummer, but within the last like 55 seconds of the game. Um, so the healthy bit, the blue health is we have our team, we have a common goal and we're, you know, functioning, working together. Uh, but within the last 55 seconds, a fight broke out between two players and it turned into a massive scrum. There was six of us involved, uh, myself included. And, which was scary because I don't know if you can tell on camera, but I'm not a very big human being. I'm like all of five foot five. And I found myself in this scrum with all these like six foot plus giants looking around, like, what the hell are you doing, <laughs> Josh? But you, but you were throwing hands though, huh? Absolutely. You have yeah, to. Yeah, I love you gotta, it. Gotta defend I love the team. it. So that, that was a progress. Like, I see that as like a digression from like our really positive, like, hey, we're a team, we're adults, you know, that have day jobs and we want to do this thing that's, you know, cool. And that's like a nice, understanding of blue but then we kind of just you know shit hit the fan and and we digressed very quickly into red <laughs> per perfect example and actually the sports example is like one of the best examples of modeling the red the red red and blue stages because like sports teams have a sports teams are a perfect example of blue like it's like a common a common goal is a collective that's working for a common it's a, it's a we a sports team is a we and then how often sports devolves into a it can like devolve into a me of where there's there's two people just fighting out and the flip side of that is sports works as an as a great way to transition people from me to we like mm -hmm. sports takes the the individuality and the sort of that fire that a lot of people have like you think about kids coming up like on a basketball team football team kids are sort of just acting as like like sports gives them like a, a greater purpose to care about and a greater, like something greater than themselves rather than just having this, like me, it's like, okay, now you're, you're playing, now you have a role on a sports team. So that, that sports are a perfect example of blue and red. And I love that you did that. And I love that you were also in there throwing hands <laughs> and, and showing those up. Cause that, that means that you're, you're, you're rider, you're rider die for your boys. You're rider die for that. You got, you got healthy blue there. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. And it's, or I'm just stupid <laughs> because I'm so small comparatively, uh, man. Yeah. But, um, Oh, okay. So you want to run through, yeah, let's run through the um, stages. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, so the first stage is a stage called, called beige. And this is the first stage of consciousness mapped. So this is the called the survival stage. So this is a stage that's primarily concerned. It's just concerned with just survival needs. So food, shelter, um, water, safety. It's a stage of just the state of consciousness, the level of consciousness is just um, what are my needs? How do I survive as a physical being in this universe? So this is the earliest stage. Uh, and this is often the stage that's sort of like overlooked and like, oh, it's just a primitive stage. But this is a stage that's actually very prevalent in all of our lives. Like we all have, this is like a necessary aspect of being human is how taking care of our survival needs. So, so beige is the, the survival stage. And then you had, um, progressing from that stage, you had um, the, the purple, stage purple, which is the magical or mythical stage. So this is a stage that um, has a connection, that it believes in, it has, it has a connection and believes that there's something, there's something else beyond just the five senses and that there, there's, there's um, spirit or forces, there's spirit or forces out there. Um, and this is a, this is a really beautiful stage in, when it's just a connection to some aspect of our, some aspect that's beyond the five senses, some connection to the forces that go beyond just the, the physical things we interact with, um, in unhealth, what this looks like is like the, 
um, tribes feeling like they needed to appease gods or that the, these forces were need to be kept happy or that they needed to make maybe, for example, maybe make sacrifices in order to keep these forces happy and that these forces were punishing them if they didn't do this. Um, so that's the, so you have the beige survival stage, then the purple, the magic mythical stage. And then you have, after purple, you have the red stage, which is the um, power stage. So this is the stage that's all about individuality, um, autonomy, having power, um, sense of empowerment. So like you think about in history, like you had these tribes that were worshiping um, in purple, you had these tribes that were worshiping forces or gods. And then through that, you had um, like, like a chieftain, you had a leader of that tribe. You had a leader that was taking power and like was the, the person that everyone reported to and was actually directing the tribe. That would be red. So like red, examples of red are like, um, like any sort of like, like leader, like a mafia boss, chieftain. Um, so red in health looks like just having a sense of empowerment and having that power within. Red in unhealth is just a, like an ego running amok, just total egotism. Um, uh, red, red is a very, uh, red would be um, like, like Donald Trump was a perfect uh, example of just straight red, just um, he was just straight red. Um, and, then, and then after red, you have the blue, uh, oh, by the way, so so the the me stage that we we're talking me we everybody those those first three stages would be the the me stage beige purple red would be the me stage and now after the red stage you have the blue stage which is all about we, which is what we've been talking about which is all about order having some order um, having some sort of um, code it's about the collective and and this is when you move into we so so blue would be like like the the religion stage it's, it's having some sort of code that we all follow and it's it's about um, having a, a group that's all on the same page and is all following the same sort of order um, so again like in health this looks like having like defined structure and everyone knowing their role and working for a greater purpose in unhealth this looks like dogma it can become very tribalistic um so that's stage blue and then after blue you have stage orange which orange is the um lot like the logic and reason stage so with stage orange this came with stage the development in stage um orange and human consciousness came like the scientific revolution so this is like rational thinking and using evidence to form um logic-based conclusions um this was like a lot of our technological advancement is due to, to development in, in this stage of consciousness, which is orange state of consciousness of um, thinking, thinking rationally and, and, and logically. So this would be like, like if someone grew up in a um, very Christian environment and then they become an atheist later, like, oh, all that, all that religion stuff is just nonsense. Lots of times that move is from a move from blue to orange. They have actually um, moved into a thinking, thinking logically thinking. So this is the orange would be like the, like the atheist sort of like science stage. Uh, and then after orange, you have stage green, which is, this is the move into um, everybody that we talked about. Stage green came in the, in the 1960s in, um, in the hippie movement. Uh, so this is a very recent development in human consciousness. Um, but green is all about um, viewing everybody's equal. So equality. So green would be like, like woke culture would be like a sort of like caricature of green, you know, like, Green is, we see a lot of, green is very prevalent um, in today's society because it's, it's the leading edge of consciousness right now. Um, and it comes out in a lot of different ways. So green is all about, um, with green brought the, the civil rights and social justice movements. So green brought all these beautiful aspects of our, our daily life. And green is about caring for everyone and viewing everyone as equal. Um, and then in unhealth, green can sort of have problems um, with leadership because green can, doesn't have a, green doesn't always have a good sense of um, hierarchies and order. Um, green can sometimes get, get, be very disordered because it's actually repressed a lot of the earlier um, order um, and sort of aspects of the earlier stages. Um, so that's, that makes up, those are the first six stages of the first tier. Um, and then like you were talking about the second tier, uh, the first stage of the second tier is called yellow and yellow is the first stage that recognizes that all those first six are simply different perspectives and it's able to see the actual model. Um, and, and, and yellow second tier is a, is a stage that's able to embody the health of all those first stages. So each of those stages has um, health and has actually very necessary aspects to being human. Um, and then obviously in unhealth, it can manifest in very unhealthy ways, but 
that was the, that's like, those are the first six and then it's yellow. And then you have, after yellow, you have some other colors that are sort of more difficult to map because those just get at such high levels that it's difficult, but yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. That was perfect. That was like really nice and succinct rundown. I appreciate it. And I think um, one thing that came to mind when you were speaking, that might be a helpful example specifically for people who listen to this um, is we have a, we have a lot of listeners that fall within like the deconstruction reconstruction kind of idea. And so a lot of that is this, you know, blue to orange to green kind of thing happening. And one thing I guess that I see in the unhealth that I'm starting to notice more and more now, and I'm actually like, I've canceled interviews. I've distanced myself from some, you know, specific authors or people who before were very helpful, but now I'm like, okay, actually, I don't want to be a part of this. This is too, this is like, seems unhealthy is that uh, people who grew up in say like super like conservative fundamentalist Christianity and they they're in their blue and then they kind of break out of that. And eventually they're in this green space now. Um, but what I see happening in unhealth is they become a new kind of fundamentalist yep. just within the green category. So they're yeah. like so include so intolerant or so tolerant that they become intolerant. Exactly. And it's like uh, uh, it doesn't it like it doesn't work. Like yeah. the gears can't spin anymore. It like bumps bumps heads with itself. Yeah, yeah. That that that's very perceptive and, and insightful because that's that's a that's a like the the move the deconstruction move is yeah a move from people grew up in a very blue environment, a very confining blue environment. And as they grew, they started to question this stuff that they were brought up with. They started to develop into this more orange, orange thinking. And they started to develop an orange stage of consciousness, which is thinking reasonably, thinking thinking, thinking um, in a reason-based way, thinking rationally. And they started to question. And that's, that's the deconstruction process that happens in that orange, which is a very, very beautiful. It's, very, it's, it's a really good and necessary part of growth to deconstruct all the stuff that they grew up with. Um, the problem is that that those other stages and unhealth can become another form of fundamentalism. So to me, like this is really evident by um, like in stage orange, orange can become a type of fundamentalism. You have the people that just main like the, the sort of just straight science atheist types that are just like maintain that there's, there's absolutely nothing going on here. All this is, is just neurons and atoms in the brain. Like everything can just be explained by mathematics and, and science. And it's like, it becomes a very dogmatic confining way, confining view. Same thing with green is green be, can become like a, almost like, like you, you said it perfectly. Like it's so, it's so tolerant. It becomes intolerant like green. So it's, it's, this is why in like going back and owning um, the healthy aspects of the previous stages is so important because oftentimes these people have repressed they've completely rejected the blue environment. There's, there was a lot of pain in growing up in that blue environment and even leaving that blue environment environment and pain in being rejected by that environment and having to grow past it, that they reject it completely. But then that fundamentalism manifests in the other stages that they're in. They haven't gone back and actually owned the healthy aspects of some of the blue environment that they grew up with, grew up mm. in. Um, so this is why like really um, it's, it makes sense because that, that blue environment that a lot of people have to move out of um, is so painful and that process is so painful that they've completely rejected it, but in completely rejecting it, then it manif- the other stages manifest in more unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that, that is a really, uh, that's a really perceptive, I, I really like what you said, because we also see like, like green being the green is the stage green is the, the leading is the dominant stage for a lot of culture. And we see how it's, it can be kind of, it can become out of control. It's become out of control. Like the, the hyper woke sort of like hyper cancel culture is like an example of just green running. It like turns on itself because it becomes like, so, so about tolerance that it becomes intolerant and it, it, it just turns on itself and cycles it because these people haven't really um, owned the healthy aspects of the previous stages. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's the, there's like the, you get the really like beautiful, helpful idea, you know, so specifically, I'm, again, I'm going to relate it back to, you know, Christian theology just because it's my context. Um, but you get within green, you get this really healthy idea of like, oh, wait a minute, white educated males aren't the only people who uh, have, who are allowed to have a voice in this conversation <laughs> of theology and, you know, what does Christianity mean? That kind of stuff. So they say, wow. So like, there's like black people who have been writing, you know, or like there's liberation theology or, um, 
you know, there's like queer theology, like there's all these different voices, feminist theology, all these voices that we should hear and like have, and that's a really healthy thing, but then it, it becomes, it can get unhealthy once you start to uh, say that, like, basically if everything is true, then nothing is true. Like it's just, it yeah. becomes really crazy. And then uh, what frustrates me is that it can, uh, in unhealth in green, it can cause harm to what, you know, to a very good positive cause, which is hearing other voices or absolutely um, having this stuff, because then people who don't aren't quite there with you in the green stage, um, you're kind of like giving them the finger, like, no, you don't get it. You're dumb. And then they don't even want to take the, you know, um, the initiative to try to learn because now you just shut them down. Yeah. Oh, you use the wrong pronoun, you know, fuck you, get out of here. Yeah. Well, that's not helpful. Yeah. (laughs) Help me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the first, the, the, a big, a huge characteristic of the first um, six stages is that a lot of times the first six stages aren't aware that there's other stages and they okay. believe that their perspective and their stage is right. So how this looks like is green trying to constantly push their green message on everyone and like force it on everyone. And if everyone doesn't accept it, then it's like uh, they're sticking the middle fingers up at them. Like, like, Oh, you don't get it. You're stupid because green isn't able to see that the other ones are simply just stages of development. It's like green is trying to push their green message on blue and they're not realizing that those people are just simply at blue and they just actually need to, it's just a, it's a perspective and a growth. The people at blue just need to grow beyond blue, grow through orange, grow through green. So the first, so this is a, this is why we see like cult, this is explains the culture wars we see in this country of mm-hmm. culture wars. Like they're not able, they're butting heads because they're not able to see that they're, they're simply just perspectives. And this is why the move from first tier to second tier, the move from green to yellow is so huge because it's the first time yellow is the first stage that sees that all of them are perspectives. So now people at stage yellow aren't butting heads with the other stages because they simply just see it. They're able to like take a, they're able to see the whole playing field and see that they're, they're just different. All of those are just different perspectives and different ways of viewing it. So there's not that, that same budding of heads. And that's mm. the problem with green is green is trying to force their message. It becomes intolerant in the name of tolerance. Exactly. Like you said, like it becomes like, like militant in their, their push for getting everyone to think a certain way. And they're not able to take a step back and, and view mm. it from a meta perspective, mm. um, which is what is so, so again, this is, for understanding culture wars, file dynamics is so helpful because you constantly see people, you know, butting heads. You see, you know, Ben Shapiro's going at whatever liberal pundit. It's like, oh, like like Ben Shapiro at a more of a stage like blue, maybe orange, and then you have green. It's like both of them are like butting heads. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. Blah blah blah. Not able, not really. There's no one taking a step back and just seeing like, oh wait, this is simply just these people are just at different levels of consciousness. There's not mm-hmm. one that's bad. It's not saying he's, he's bad or he's a bad person. Cause he's just a different simply stage of consciousness. Mm. Yeah. And I guess too, would it be like an unhealthy? Well, actually, so I don't know if, if you're within one of these first six stages and you're not aware of the model, um, then maybe this doesn't quite fit, but I can see there's also a danger in like taking something like this, a model like this and being like, oh, well, I have higher consciousness than you. Yeah. You know, so it's like, exactly. There's that challenge. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the the biggest traps is people turning spiral dynamics into like a labeling game, like, oh, so-and-so's and and they treat it to like a, like a values game of like, oh, so-and-so's at, you know, I'm at yellow and this person's at blue. So therefore I'm much more higher conscious. It's like that sort of, it's, it's a model and a really helpful framework, but when people turn it into like a labeling game and like a hierarchy of there's like, I'm the, usually as a hierarchy to make, to label me as better than someone else. That's when it, the, the totally loses its purpose. And that to me is why I stress the, like, it's about living the health of all the stages. And if you're, yeah. if you're living the health of all the stages and you're seeing all the really important key for me was seeing all the stages as existing within myself. Like there's some environments where I'm in a more blue sort of like, uh, I'm in a more blue state of mind. I'm in a more blue level of consciousness. There's certain stages where I need my red to come out. I need my power. Um, there's certain stages where purple, where having a connection to something beyond myself is really important. Like seeing them all within myself made me like then it, it removes the idea that like you're better because you're at a certain level. You're just seeing all the stages within yourself. So that's why really bringing it down into a um, integrative sort of lived 
perspective for people is really important to turn to, to take it away from like turning into like a value or like a hierarchy sort of judgment game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very tricky though, because it's very tricky because it's, it's mapping development. It's showing where human consciousness is headed. So um, those later stages are higher levels of consciousness, but you also don't want higher level of consciousness. If you're at a higher level of consciousness, you're not using models to prove that you're at a higher level right. of consciousness than other people. You see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that reminds me of a story uh, that I heard uh, Richard Rohr tell one time. Um, in regard, I think it was Rohr. He was talking about the Interior Castle. I, have you heard of that before? Uh-huh. It's like, it, so it's a work by, um, I believe it's Saint Teresa. I have it on my shelf back there. If I'm wrong, I apologize, listeners. But um, it's basically it goes through like these seven. I believe it's seven mansions. Um, that oh my internet connection is unstable can you hear me okay i you just froze for like 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 five seconds okay i just heard you talking about a castle the yeah 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 so an interior castle okay it's like this language that so saint Teresa was like a mystic christian mystic and she wrote about this interior castle and it's basically seven different mansions she calls them uh that exist within the spiritual journey and she just talks about like traveling through the different rooms it's very similar to spiral dynamics. In fact, they might kind of overlap in some helpful ways. But Rohr was saying that there was a story um, of like a colleague who had read the mansions and he went to uh, another gentleman who was kind of like his mentor. And was like, yeah, so like what, what mansion do you think I'm in? Like, I think I'm here. I think I'm here. And he was like placing himself like way higher than he ought to. (laughs) And the, the, his mentor was like, well, it's none of your damn, you know, uh, what did he say? It's none of your, I forget, but basically told him like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like it's not, yeah. it's none of your damn business. That's what he said. It's yeah. none of your damn business. What castle you're in. And that, that to me was just like an example. It ties in of somebody taking something that's really helpful and then trying to place themselves elsewhere and, and abusing the system, which then just kind of points to like, okay, you don't fully get this yet, which is okay. You, you'll get there. Yeah. It's just, that came to yeah. mind for me. And, and just, ha- just having an awareness of the spiral and having awareness of the, of the framework is like a huge first step for a lot of people. So like mm-hmm. just having, I mean, that's like huge, just seeing that there are different levels just lets us, allows us to take a meta perspective on like the world and what we're seeing and allows us to see like, oh, these are different perspectives and these people, you know, disagreeing. And it's, it just ha- allows us to see the playing field. Um, but then the next step is seeing like, okay, so like, how can we, how can I heal as a person? How can I grow as a person so that I'm not using this as like a labeling game and I'm not just using, it's not, not just existing in the head and existing as an intellectual exercise. And it's actually sinking down to the heart and it's actually mm. making me a better person and not um, someone that's like labeling and, and actually growing to those, like I said, growing to those higher levels, higher levels of consciousness, people at the higher stages aren't using the model to, to justify that they're at higher stages. Or they're not even <laughs> taught. They're not even talking about like the pe- the people that I've met that are really, you know, I, I consider in those higher levels, don't ever talk about being in those higher levels. You know what I mean? Like right. it's a, you, you, you use the model and you use it for its benefits, but then all models and maps are eventually only just models and maps and, and models right. and maps aren't the territory. They're, they're, they're maps. So you, 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 you throw them away and you, you use them for how they're helpful, but then you just, um, you don't cling on to them. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, so it's a very interesting, it's, 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 it's a very interesting sort of balance and, and, and process, but it's, it's about growth and it's about actually, integrating all those aspects and seeing them within yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. don't, don't, for, don't, uh, don't mistake the menu for the meal. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Or the window for the view or the map for the treasure, whatever yeah, metaphor yeah. floats your boat. Yeah. Sweet. Cool, man. Well this, so like, I don't know, this is, this is such a helpful thing. And I really hope listeners, it has kind of piqued your interest. Um, and I'd really encourage you guys to, to keep looking into it. Um, but so you mentioned it briefly, Trace, but I just wanted to give you an opportunity to, to talk about it a little bit and then, you know, we'll wrap things up to be fair to your time. But uh, taking this and, you, you know, you talked about moving from head to heart and actually living the spiral. And you mentioned how you're, you're offering, um, you know, like a seven part class and that kind of stuff. Is there anything else you'd want to say about that? Um, I'm going to be sure to link, you know, your website and that kind of stuff there so our listeners can, can get connected and be a part of that. Um, but is there anything you want to say specifically, you know, that's just like right there for you as far as living the spiral? Yeah. Yeah. Th- thank you for uh, linking all that. So, yeah. So 
Um, this core, I've been working with a lot of people. I've been doing one-on-one -on -one sessions, talking to people about the spiral. I've been having people come to my group discussions for Saturday school. They want to talk about the spiral. So I've just, I've, I've interacted with a lot of people at, um, about spiral dynamics and just a pattern I've noticed is that um, they get into it and they really, they, they get really into it at first and, and which is great. And they, and they learn the model, but they, it's sort of existing as like a, just an intellectual exercise and it's just interact. It's existing as a, like a labeling exercise. And they want to talk to me about if I consider them, you know, yellow or turquoise. And it's like, Oh my gosh, it just gets all in like just concept land and blah, blah, blah. So I um, developed this course just to, to, to actually teach the spiral in a way that's, that's a, from an integrative perspective. And it's actually each let we're spending the, the equal amount of time on each level and showing the importance of each level. So each level is a different um, session that we're doing um, with a group of people um, we also did it with that we're doing it with a group of people to create that sort of community and connection and have people growing together because it's really important to um, see the growth within yourself and also see it within others. It's like that that that's a very like really helpful aspect of learning the spiral. So there's a there's still there's still um, spots available for living the spiral that's up on my website which will be linked um, at tracebell.com. Uh, and so yeah, so I would I would love I'm super excited. It starts the first one starts uh, Thursday. I'm super excited for, for working with people um, on this. Um, and it's just something that my my dad has always wanted to, to teach the spiral in this way. Um, and he's sort of, he's doing other things. He's working on his music right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of t taking the, the mantle as far as teaching spiral dynamics in my way. Yeah. Sweet, man. Well, that's yeah. awesome. So listeners, be sure to, to go ahead and check that out. I know it's going to be great. Um, yeah, and like I said, I'll be sure to link all of those things. But Trace, this has been super fun, man. I feel like this conversation could, you know, go on and on. I'm I'm about it. And it's only kind of like scratch the surface and I have like a million yeah. more more questions I'd like to ask you, but I know you have to go. So uh, thank you again so much for your time. Thank you for what you're doing, for the investment uh, you're putting in. And um, I appreciate it, man. I wish you all the, the best of luck. And uh, I look forward to, I don't know, one day, whatever aspirations you have to, you know, put out writings or or whatever it is that you're going to do i look forward to it man so thank you thank you so much for having me this is such a blast we should do a, another another round at some point because i oh, know we there's definitely. so much more there's so much more we can get into i yeah. love it thank you yeah man all right listeners uh well as always uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us today be sure to uh to check out uh, trace's website and as always since marty's not here i can say go caps and forget the blackhawks <laughs> peace and love guys <laughs>